Welcome to Mental Health Matters, a podcast about recovery and all things mental health. I'm Shay and I'm here today with Anne and our guest Jackie. First of all, at the top, um, I'm going to ask the dreaded question, but doing it in a slightly different way. So trying to get us to think a little bit more about how we actually feel when we're asked this question. So I'll, I'll ask you first, Jackie, how are you doing today? But can you find one word to describe how you're feeling today? I think grateful. It's a nice one. For, for what I've got and my life and the experiences I've had. So I can say grateful, very grateful. That's wonderful. I'm really pleased to hear that. And how about you? Have you, have you got one word in mind? Um, yes, um, I'm quite tired today, so I feel <laughs> just a little bit kind of, um, yeah, I had quite a, a busy day yesterday, so I think I'm catching up, so I'm glad it's the weekend coming up, so, but yeah, tired. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of us are feeling that at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how about um, you, Shay? Oh, it turns <laughs> back on me. Well, yeah. uh, I'm just going to say, even though before we started recording, you asked me, how are you doing when we came into the meeting? And uh, I said, yeah, all right. But um, actually, my one word would be terrible today. Uh, and I, I won't go into that further. That's just uh, that's how my day is going. Um, but I'm here, so I'm pleased about that. So I suppose we should move on from that, shouldn't we? <laughs> Jackie, could you tell us a little bit about you know who you are and basically why you're you're joining us today to to have a chat? Well, my name is Jackie. I'm an admiral nurse. I support families affected by dementia, and my mother also had dementia. She was diagnosed with 64. She passed away. Must be about 10 years ago. So, but I have a busy life. I love being a nurse. I've got lots of hobbies and get up to lots of interesting things. So, yes, that's a bit about myself. Um, Jackie, have you always worked with um, adults with dementia and their families or has that changed when you first started your career? I've worked, always worked with older adults, people with dementia Mm -hmm. and people with a high level of needs in places such as I started, I'm an old timer, I started my training in the days where they had the big old hospitals. I started <laughs> off there. I worked on a continuing care unit mm-hmm. on a world basis. I worked in a day hospital and my latest role is in Admiralness, which is my dream job. And when I became team leader, it was like, wow. So, yes. Pretty broad. It sounds like you've done a lot. Yeah. Uh, and I've met some amazing people along the line. I, you know, I never forget that being a nurse and being involved in people's lives and letting into their lives is a privilege. I've met some amazing people. So you have a big impact on people's lives, don't you? At times when things are really difficult to people, having someone like you, um, sort of being that consistent sort of level of support, um, is really, really valuable, isn't it? And I think we shouldn't underestimate, you know, the impact that that will have on people going through those difficult experiences. I mean, one of my first visits, it was a long visit. I didn't think I did a lot because I wasn't able to give any advice or solutions. But the carer commented about, you know, she thanked me a lot for the visit because I listened to her. People underestimate that listening is something that really helps people. 
So we don't always have the solutions, but we can listen to people and let them offload and let them work, try and work it out for themselves. So that was my first lesson as an abronus brought me down to earth. <laughs> I think it's it's really powerful, isn't it, when you feel that you listen to, even if you're not asking that person for a solution or anything like that, it's just being able to be heard, isn't it? And I think that's just so powerful for people to to have and off, that doesn't often happen does it in in lots of areas of our lives that we just kind of bumble through and then you, you carry in all of this um you know feelings and emotions with you when you're going through those difficult things so actually having that space even though like you say you, you didn't necessarily feel like you had a big impact actually for that person that that would have meant everything to them wouldn't it at that time it's a big learning experience and I tell that to any new abundance Uh it reinforced to people don't underestimate doesn't mean to say that you know we shouldn't be in a lot of what we do is sharing information but there's a balance and it's finding out what the person we're involved with wants what what do you want from me not everybody wants advice they want someone to listen to they want someone to offload to that's not going to judge them and it will be there for them so that's so powerful that is one lesson I've learned and I, I, I keep on reminding myself of it and reminding the team yeah (laughs) yeah and like you say I think that's lovely that you can kind of it's very person-centered isn't it around what do you need rather than this is the service and this is what we'll give you actually understanding because everyone's needs are different aren't they they can fluctuate and change over time as well so for you to be quite flexible with your approach is again that's a really nice way to be able to work with people isn't it and there's nothing wrong with saying to people that you know might not be the best person that you need at the moment Uh this service and actually doing something about it making that referral people mm-hmm. are bombarded with phone calls do this do that so for someone to say you know it's worth contacting this professional or this service in, in following them through not just almost like you know off you go I'm not here anymore I think that's especially important as uh, you know someone who's been a pay a patient in various aspects myself uh, I really value when somebody can say, oh, I, I can't do anything about this, but I'd really like to, you know, find who can and make sure that you get connected with them like that. That is far more valuable than sort of giving empty words or pretending that you might be able to do more than you actually can. Uh, I find that really makes me it makes me trust the person a lot more, to be honest. And I've been in that situation as a carer where somebody's made some phone calls for me, it has made such a huge difference. Yeah, I think it's that feeling of you're not on your own, because I would imagine as a carer, um, you can feel that, you know, it's you trying to carry your loved one and trying to support your loved one and trying to navigate a system that you don't necessarily understand. I mean, you mentioned about your your mom um, and that she she was diagnosed at 64 with dementia. So how how was that for you? Because were you already working in dementia services at that point when your mom was diagnosed? I was working in a day hospital. Okay. It is sort of you know for older adults with mental health problems. Uh-huh. So I was working in services and I had a fantastic supportive team around me. I didn't tell many people at first. I was just going through a diagnosis process because I had to get my head around it myself yeah. and I didn't always want to be talking about it all the time mm-hmm. I wanted you know I wanted to focus on the people I was helping yeah. so I've had some carers say to me that if they get a few hours break they don't want to be talking about dementia they want to be doing something for themselves yeah. So, yeah. 
I can imagine that's quite hard, isn't it, about trying to carve out some time where it's not on your mind all of the time, especially when you're going through that diagnosis process, because um, I imagine that takes takes a while, doesn't it, to kind of, um, you know, do various tests and things like that and waiting for kind of feedback and things. So it sounds yeah. like that's important for you to to have some time for yourself and concentrate on you, you, your work as well, because obviously that's an important part of your you, isn't it, um, who you are? And it made me realise that when people are getting that diagnosis, even though that they know that it's happening and it's expected, it's still a shock because at the back of your mind, you're thinking, she's only 64, you know, it's got to be something else. You can yeah. give her a tablet, even though you know, you, you, you always sort of, you know, at the back of your head, something is always saying to you, you know, maybe, maybe there is a, a miraculous answer. Maybe it is something else. Maybe it's not more expected, even though you know. So I think it's your way of trying to cope with the situation and get your head around it. So, I mean, for some people, everyone's different. For some people, it's a relief knowing mm-hmm. everybody has a different reaction. So, you know, my sister reacts differently to me. So it's important to treat people as individually. And although I've got that experience, my background, my life is different to people. I wouldn't presume that they would react in the same way as me. Mm. So you, you could be going down the wrong strategy. I, th- yeah, I think you have to have that self-awareness of your own experiences and how it affects you as a professional, because everybody's different. That's why being a nurse is still so fantastically interesting after 33 years. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, definitely. And like you say, I suppose from your experience of kind of working as a nurse and working with older adults as well, you had a different knowledge base, I guess, around kind of dementia anyway. Um, But like you say, I think it's really um, interesting to hear about how how you did process that. And um, was there anything that helped you at the time to kind of, I suppose, I don't know if it's the right term, but like come to terms with with your mum's diagnosis? I think having people around to listen to and talk to and share experiences Mm -hmm. always tell carers you know if they can go to a group and speak to other carers it is so powerful being able to speak to people so you know knowing people like colleagues that are going through it as well being able to talk having a supportive family and supportive husband and people around me I think that's a great help as well yeah and also the understanding I'm very lucky I've had supportive managers throughout my caring journey who I you know who I knew that would be there for me and that if I needed that time they would support me in it so and I think if you people talk about investing carers if you invest in carers you will get their loyalty back so much more it's what I've gone through and the support I had from the trust and management has made me probably a lot more loyal and it's made me a lot more understanding now I'm a manager a team leader of staff who's in that caring situation yeah. So because of going through it. Yeah. Yeah. Until you like you say, until you've been through it yourself, it's it's difficult, isn't it, to understand yeah. truly what that impact would be. Um so yeah, no, I think that's that's really I suppose that you being able to use your own lived experience yeah. actually helps you your in your life now, doesn't it, in the role that you're doing now to support your team and and things like that. So yeah. yeah. So I wanted to go into the sort of professional emotional attachment stuff we were talking about briefly before. I think I'd say supervision is important as well mm-hmm. as a professional. I had a very good supervisor that I had that safe space to offload and explore mm-hmm. because you don't want to be putting any of your emotions on the people that you're seeing. 
for me, my first priority is to protect the people that I'm here to see. So I think having that supervision in that space where you can be honest and offload and to check in that as a professional going through that experience, you're not affecting other people. You can practice safely. So, yeah, I never disclosed to people, you know, any carers I was involved with when my mother was around about her diagnosis because they would end up worrying about me. Uh-huh. And that's not what, you know, that's not what they come to us for. So, yeah. Talk yeah. a lot about, um, you know, taking work home with us. But it's not often that we discuss, you know, taking home to work with us, yes. which in yeah. your position is was kind of just impossible not to do. You know, there, there has to be some way of navigating that that isn't just trying to divorce them completely, you know. Yeah. And the things people talk about sometimes neg- caring in a negative light and dimension negative light. I had so much fun with my mother. <laughs> We had we had a great time some of the time because she dropped her guard because of the dementia. She became quite amenable in some ways. She, she, she was less feisty than before her diagnosis. <laughs> Everybody's like that, but she could be so sweet and funny. You know, it wasn't wasn't all it wasn't all negative. So don't get get me wrong. We still had we still had fun together, and I still laugh at some of the things she came out with. Maybe not at the time when she was doing impersonations of people in the middle of a supermarket, but. <laughs> it's that experience like when I'm telling people you know don't be embarrassed they can't help it when you're in that situation you're not feeling that or thinking that so like you say reflecting back on it now like you say it's lovely to sort of see see your light up when you're talking about her and some of those experiences oh yeah we still we still had we still had fun together yeah yeah and like you say I think it is kind of the balance between like you say caring is a difficult role but actually what you're able to do because you have good support network around you you'd reached out to the people where appropriate because like you say when you were talking about um your role and obviously you're supporting carers and families of, of loved ones with dementia that the boundaries are really important aren't they like you say it's not that's not the place for you to be talking about your own experiences but because you had these other areas for that support that sounds like it was like massively helpful in helping you cope and do do the day job but also care care for your mum so so well yeah was there anything else that helped you at the time um, to look after yourself? Was there anything in particular that you were doing that you felt, this is, I need this, this is helping me keep going? I think we all need hobbies and we all need to maintain hobbies that bit of time for ourselves. So I I love my cycling and walking. Mm-hmm. So for me, getting out in the bike, I'm older now, I've now got an electric motor attached to one of them, I do confess. Oh, OK. <laughs> There's but, no shame in that. I think that's a smart decision for someone of any age. <laughs> Definitely, definitely. So I think being able to do that, being able to start try and maintain that space for yourself, uh-huh. like the cycling and the walking, and you know, I, I like pets and the, the interest. So yes, yeah. So I think having that space. So I was trying to encourage people to think about what do they enjoy, even if it's half an hour, if it's soaking the bath, if they can find something they can enjoy and look forward to. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Try and keep some of them. Try and keep some of themselves. It's easy to get, for me, I didn't live with my mother. It's much different to someone that's living with them 24-7. Mm-hmm. I could, you know, get away from her. But it's that little bit of space for yourself. It can be a great help. So yeah. I, I, it's easier said than done. It's easy to be patronised and do this, do that. 
And at one point, my dad had health problems. He was in the hospital. So, you know, you don't, there's sometimes when realistically speaking, you cannot get too much time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I suppose, like you say, it's kind of carving out that time when you can. And I suppose if, like you say, circumstances don't allow it at that point, where, where else can you seek some support? Even if it is kind of um, talking to somebody who's perhaps been through it themselves yeah. or can, can sort of, you know, you've got that place to offload to as well, because otherwise I can imagine it can be quite overwhelming and, like you say, can be quite consuming um, and then you don't feel like, I don't know, like you can feel almost like a little bit trapped of like, yeah. this is really, really difficult. And actually for you, what you're explaining about having that space allowed you to then focus on the relationship that you had with your mom and, yeah. um, you know, focus on, on the good times together and things. Yeah. Well. yeah. And also the fact that I think I've learned so much from it. Mm-hmm. It's probably made me a better person and a better nurse and probably a better team leader. So, I wouldn't, you know, obviously it's not something I would have chosen to go through. But I always think if something happens, what can we learn from it? What, you know, c- can we do something good with it and try and use it to help people? I'm always a believer of, of that. So, yeah. You've got like so much insight into your own experience. And like you say, I think being able for you to be able to use that in, in the work that you do, that's invaluable, isn't it, really? And like you say, you wouldn't ever have chosen for that to happen. But the fact that it has happened and you're able to view it in a way of this is this is benefiting me to help the people who I'm supporting. I think that that's really, really lovely to hear that you can do that. So, you mentioned, obviously, your mum passed away 10 years ago. So can you tell us a little bit about what that was like so like you say you'd kind of you were still working you're still working now but um when she passed away how how was that at the time that she passed away sort of she was not everybody gets to end stages of dementia but she did get to end stages of dementia mm-hmm. and you know the quality of life she was having is not what she'd have enjoyed yeah so at the time it was, it was very sad and she had a few occasions where we were told it shouldn't have long and then she bounced back we used to joke that she was like the, the old energizer rabbit that she kept on going. Condensing <laughs> <laughs> back. Yeah. But g- going through that process, the, the waiting, you get the phone call. You know, I get on fantastically well with my sister, but, you know, it was all everything consumed about the parents. So you're thinking, you know, what's going to happen next in that phone call? I did go into work when she was poorly. So I like to be busy, mm-hmm. but it was on the, you know, I was able to choose what I did. I had a supportive team leader who protected me that said that, you know, if you just need to do admin, that's fine. If you need to get off, just let me know you're safe. Yeah. So I wouldn't say it was easy to see, you know, someone that you care about in the waiting, you know, get to the end stage dementia. But in the end, it was probably the kind of thing for her. That she went away and my dad was with her as well, which was lovely that he could get there and they shared that private moment together. So, yeah, I wouldn't say it was easy. Everybody copes in different ways. Some people with bereavement, they need that time and the space. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a busy bee, but I'm quite self-aware that I know when I can't pick up the phone, when mm-hmm. I need to do admin yeah. and, you know, what part of the role I can and can't do. So, But luckily I had the support behind me yeah do that so and the team were very protect you know they were very kind and protective of me and and, you know people were checking in on me so yes yeah and like you say at a difficult time that makes such a difference doesn't it knowing that you've got that support there that you can kind of 
do what you need to do to get yourself through and like you say having that difficulty of seeing that your mum decline and then perk up a little bit and then and then but knowing that that, that it is going to come to an end mm-hmm. um but like you say that she did have that that kind of moment with your dad as well and kind of yeah, yeah thank you for sharing that yeah so I mean I think she went the way she'd have wanted to and the way my dad wanted to yeah. you know my gra- dad was a grumpy old Glaswegian he didn't like us so <laughs> I say that in the loveliest possible way yeah <laughs> that's yeah. you know I think the things that you know the things that you care about people is that personality trait that you, you have this smile on you when they're getting grumpy <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so what was it like after she'd passed away because obviously like you say caring was a big part of your your life wasn't it um in a personal sense so how, how was 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 there a gap in that for you after she passed I think the diff I I always advise people that if the caring role ends step back mm-hmm. I, I I'm one of these people that like volunteering helping and I probably did get a bit carried away in okay. volunteering so I filled that gap with that but that's what I had to do to get through yeah so that was my way of getting through and it, it got me through and now I am selective about what I take on I still you know I'm involved in quite a few activities outside. I, I like, you know, I like that busyness, but I'm also aware that I also like that time to sit still and have time for myself. And I can say no and be selective about where I want to help. Uh-huh. So yeah. for a while I said, you know, it's, it's easy to fill up that gap with something else. But I think you need that time to grieve, but you can't always do it straight away. No. I needed the busyness until I was ready to grieve. So everybody grieves differently you have to do what is right for you so yeah and like you say you've got a lot of insight into your own experience so for you that was the right thing at the time and I suppose it's just having that awareness and perhaps people around you you know um around kind of how you are coping coping with and it's such a you know even though like you say with her diagnosis you knew that that was going to happen but at the same time it's still a shock isn't it when when your loved one passes away so I think thank you for sharing about your experience and how how you you sort of how it affected you in that way I think that would be helpful for other people I think you know as a professional supervision is key being able to be honest Mm -hmm. because for some you know I was fine to be on duty but for some people it'd be the wrong thing because I had that self-awareness that I wouldn't let my you know I I could sort of separate my emotions I went into nurse mode yeah Yeah. it's almost like a a mode that we can go on and when I focus when you're focusing on other people Mm -hmm. it doesn't always go through your head because I get that carried away focused what can we do what happens next so yes there's also sounds well like your role is is so important for you in in how you coped with the whole situation isn't it because like you say you had had a role um that's valuable and vital for other people so being able to kind of I suppose put some of your energies into the people who you're working with the families the carers um then I think I think that sounds like it was really really helpful for you at that time yeah it was I think if I yeah I carers are always going to be my heart and dementia when I retire I can't imagine me not being involved in it yeah so it's something that is very you know it's it's something I feel quite committed to yeah that you know these people out there need that help and support and for the experience I've gone through you know I I can use that to help people and as as a nurse as well so yeah yeah I think we you know 
talk a lot in terms of um, dealing with bereavement and such as, you know, healthy ways, unhealthy ways. But what you said about, you know, you filling the gap maybe a bit too much, maybe a bit yeah. compulsively keeping yourself yeah. extra busy for that time. Yeah. Um, which, you know, we could say was, oh, that, that's not the healthiest way to do it or something. But I think the most important thing is that that's what got you through. Like you said, you, you got through. through that patch and then yeah. you're able to balance it out yeah. a little bit. And I think yeah. that's really important, you know, not yeah. striving for the best and most healthy and functional yeah. and everything way that you could deal with a shock like that. Sometimes yeah. things are going to get a little bit dysfunctional. But if you can recover from that stage, well, that that's what grieving is, I think. I mean, I'm not a professional, so yeah. <laughs> but yeah. that's what it feels like to me. You know, things may get a little unstable and that's yeah. actually part of the process. And the things they help and I was getting lots of support from, you know, the you know, the people around me. Uh-huh. So I was spending time with a bunch of supportive, lovely people. Yeah, and I, I think it's like me about bereavement is there's no right or wrong way. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's supporting people to find their own way. Yeah. And, and, and try to let them work out for themselves. So, And it's such a, you know, going through that process, it's kind of, you know, if you've never been through it or you, it's not been somebody who's close to you or, or whatever it is, until you've been through it, you don't yeah. know how you're going to respond and you don't know how you're going to react. And yeah. and grieving is a process, isn't it? And it you know, it'll come back in waves and hit you at yeah. certain points and things. And um, yeah, so I think you can't really plan for it and you can't really know how you'll you'll respond. But I think kind of what you've been sharing around kind of for you the support that you had and the network that you had around you went a really long way to be able to kind of um help you um sort of feel you know that you can get through this and things so I mean sitting in the house doing nothing wouldn't have been helpful for me for some people you'd sit in the house and have that space yeah yeah so it's what is it's what feels right for them yeah and I think also knowing that that's okay isn't it like you say what it's what you just said today isn't it around kind of you know whatever gets you through or whatever helps you that can't be a bad thing can it it's not kind of you know and I suppose if it is something where people feel like this isn't helping me it's knowing where to go isn't it around getting that support yeah Yeah. definitely I mean it's easy to medicalize bereavement bereavement is a normal part of life Uh is it do they say two things are certain in life death and taxes so it's it's like it's a normal it's a not it's a normal part of life and it's just finding a way of adjusting so I don't believe in saying common terms with I think it's adjusting your life we all have any experience in life will probably change us a bit and mold us into the person we are and it's just sort of you know adjusting to these changes and what it means to you I think what you were saying earlier as well, Jackie, around kind of um, the learning that you, you kind of that's that's your approach, isn't it? That you kind of can learn through your experiences and then you kind of use it in your day to day kind of work still now as well. And that's a really lo- lovely way to kind of approach life, isn't it, really? That there's, there's always something to learn. We can be curious about things, even when we're going through difficult times. We might not know it because when you reflected earlier, you didn't necessarily perceive things in the same way as you do now when you're looking back and reflecting on things 
as they say, if only I knew what I know now in my 20s, but life doesn't work like that. We have to go through it to get to that stage. So, yeah. I think something valuable for me as a younger person is talking to people who are older or have gone through different walks of life and everything, um, which used to be kind of scary for me because it made me feel sort of alien, I suppose. But the more I, well, like you say, adjust my life, not come to terms with things. I, I, I adjust to cope with how life is. That's so valuable to me because, you know, there's, uh, <laughs> like you said, life doesn't work that way. I might have felt that I've matured a little bit too fast in, in my 20s or my teens, but that doesn't mean that I have lived a full life. So mm-hmm. it's always really valuable to listen to people who have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's finding your own path in what you are as a person and what you enjoy. Thank you so much, Jackie, for kind of coming to talk to us today and sharing your experiences. I just wondered, is there kind of like a message that you wanted to share with the listeners or kind of one final comment about um, anything that you wanted to share? There's no right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Be yourself. Yeah. And reach out to people. Don't be frightened to reach out to people. Don't feel as if you have to do things by yourself. There is people that want to help. Mm-hmm. And don't be frightened to be honest. I'll have people say to me, I feel really terrible, but I'm thinking such and such. And when I say to them, maybe, well, that's that's not unusual. That's normally a situation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, that'd be my final message. So don't be frightened to pick up that phone. And don't be frightened to be, to be you know, you, yourself. We're all different. That's why what I do makes this is so interesting because everybody I contact is different. So yeah, and and I also think what you were saying there around sometimes when we do open up to people, we can find out that other people might think similarly or have had similar thoughts in the past, and you kind of think, oh, and then it makes you feel there's that connection there, doesn't it? And you think, you know, but sometimes when you just internalise it and you keep yeah. it in, it starts to sort of spiral and things. So that's a really really lovely message, like you say, to kind of share that. You know it is okay as long as you know it is okay to talk about things and um and actually seeking that that support and talking to people yeah. can can help with those connections and help us deal with what we're going through as well can't it yeah okay yeah. thank you so much for sharing all that that was um, and as well your, your final message is something that i needed to hear today as well i think so i'm going to take that one to heart definitely yeah. um, thank you alan as well for um having the conversational skills that I am lacking today. So it's <laughs> a good teamwork there, I think. You don't put yourself down, you're lovely, you did well. Thank you. <laughs> this is all, this is improving my day, actually. So <laughs> I knew it was the right decision to yeah. uh, to show my face or, or show my voice. Do you show your voice? <laughs> That's a question for another time. Yeah. This has been Mental Health Matters. Thank you for joining us today. Really pleased you you listened in and to have you with us. And don't let me or anyone else tell you what kind of day to have. Just have the kind of day that you're having. And if it's a bad one, I'm right there with you. And I hope the next one is a little bit better. Mm